Hello and welcome to this Tech Blast episode, the series delivering a 15-minute overview of an issue in the lab and the solutions available to help you through it. I'm Annie Colson, Digital Editor at Biotechniques, and I'll be the host of today's podcast. In this episode, supported by Zymo Research, we'll be discussing all things automation, including when a lab should implement automation and where to begin the journey to automation. Our guest today is Gregory Lee, Automation Manager at Zymo Research. Greg, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, Annie. Nice to be here. To start us off, for someone who may not be familiar with automation in a lab setting, what does it entail? Yeah, that's a great question. Let me start with this. I would actually be very surprised if we have members of the audience who aren't actually familiar with automation. Just in the fact that if you've ever done a PCR in a thermocycler, that is a very automated procedure because I was back in the old days when you had to use a water bath in order to do PCR. But modern day automation, as referred to, is oftentimes referred to the robotics utilized for a variety of laboratory techniques to be performed. So where we have thermocyclers now to perform our PCR, you can use modern automation to do your PCR plate setup, even the optimization of your primers, which I think for many, that's a very wonderful prospect and even performing the actual preparation of your nucleic acids to that PCR prep. So we've kind of covered a few there, but what sort of tasks can be automated? In general, most laboratory techniques can be automated. Anything that has to do primarily with like liquid transference, for instance, anything of like ARESA PCR, but a lot of groups utilize automation for simple things as sample transfer from transferring from one tube to a plate or to another tube. Another may be for your next generation sequencing library preparation, which is utilizing enzymes, of course, uh, with your samples. And even far more complicated techniques, even today, that's being driven by automation, like a single cell omics. And why would a lab utilize a lab automation infrastructure? For most labs, I would say the moment they would consider a automation infrastructure, I usually inform them that they should look at what's called uh, what I call the three T's. That is technical, throughput, and turnaround time or time frame. And what I mean by that, technical has to do with the actual techniques being performed in a lab. If a technique is sort of very mundane or routine, or if the technique is just a non-critical process that you're utilizing highly skilled personnel to do, then that's something that you may want to consider for automation. Throughput has to do with basically how many samples you're trying to turn through. And when you just have so much, it's just very hard to compensate that amount of throughput with just manual labor. And turnaround time really has to do with how quickly you need to go from your sample to your data. And you can either do that manually through having people take shifts throughout the day, perhaps. But as you know, with a robot, it never sleeps. So for many groups, they want to have a robot in order to have that high throughput and turnaround time. What are the benefits of implementing automation? The major benefit, I would say, is if you look at the 3T challenges, if they become a challenge in your lab, 
then obviously being able to automate helps overcome that challenge. And I would even say maybe you're not necessarily looking at your lab space as, let's say, a business that you're trying to, you know, do a lot of samples or you're trying to hit a particular time frame mark. But as you know, as we sort of discover new techniques, as things become a little bit more challenging in the sense of its sophistication, being able to replicate that technique from one person to another becomes a major challenge. And so if you're able to automate that technique, then it becomes something that in a way democratizes the science. Just like how when assay kits were introduced into the lab to make something that was, you know, relatively complex, you know, you can get someone who's not so familiar or maybe a little bit unskilled to perform the exact same assay. That's where automation can actually do the same uh, principal procedure where something that's very complex can be now become very doable by any set of hands. So I think automation could potentially be quite daunting. So what is the first step or how could a lab go about implementing automation? Yeah, that, that's a hard one for a lot of labs that aren't experienced with automation. So if a lab's going to do it on their own, I do strongly suggest that they look at what aspect of their what I call um, workflow, right? So they a workflow, we kind of summarize it as sort of the, the planning of either the experiment or project, the resources involved, it's typically the money involved, right? Or, or even do you have enough samples to perform the project and the goals of that project. And when looking at your planning, you can even go into a little bit more intricacy called the pipeline, which is really the whole process from the collection of the samples all the way to your data analysis and all the laboratory techniques in between. When you're looking at those laboratory techniques, figuring out, okay, which of those techniques is causing the challenge for me, right? Is it a technical challenge? Is it a throughput challenge? Is it a turnaround time challenge? Once you can focus in on your need, then you can begin to say, okay, I know I need to automate this aspect of my pipeline. And then you begin to see, okay, what res resources in the sense of what instruments, what knowledge base, uh, what have people already done to automate that? And I think that's a very good start. So that's basically where you can begin really your research into developing your automation. And then what are the current pitfalls that labs fall into when attempting to deploy automation? Yeah, that's that's a... <laughs> That's a very poignant question when it comes to automation, because uh, I've seen this pitfall time and time again, where customers, when they consider automation, their main focus is the instrument. So it's a little bit of, I'm going to buy the best instrument for my money, <laughs> and I'm going to fit that in to my pipeline. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to do it. So there's, in a way, if you're doing that, that's a bit of a lack of planning. And so I've seen it time and time again, where labs go about buying a piece of equipment, trying to fit that square peg into the round hole and end up that equipment lays somewhere in the corner of the lab, collecting dust and mothballs. So 
Yeah, focusing simply on the instrument is where uh, customers can really uh, hit that pitfall. And that's why I always say you need to focus on what your real need is. Then the instrument can tie in to fulfilling that need. I, I had a customer that one time told me I need to do 3,000 samples a day. I said, okay, that's doable. I said, where are you getting the samples from? Oh, we collect them from patients or whatever. I said, oh, okay. So you're doing 3,000 samples that I talked to them about. I said, you know, how many machines they needed and things like that. And I simply asked, how long does it take to open the box? They looked at me. They go, what box? I said, the box with a sample in it. They said, oh, a minute. I said, okay, that's 3,000 minutes. Yeah. I said, have you considered how long 3,000 minutes is? <laughs> how many people you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, a, there's no robot that's going to open the box. But yeah. that all has to do with, like I said, that planning, that workflow. And that's actually where you see a lot of shortfall. Sort of looking more to the future, do you think lab automation is the future? Do you expect to see automation integrated into a lot more labs? Not to be contrary, but I would say automation is current. <laughs> it may not be that you see automation in your lab today. Uh, you may not even see it, quote unquote, in the neighboring lab. But maybe I can bring it to an analogy. It's like the electric car. The electric car, I would say, is not necessarily a future technology. It's a current technology. But it's not necessarily that you have an electric car or your neighbor has an electric car. But you know the eventuality is, whether it be a week from now, a month from now, three months from now, as you are pulling into your home, you're going to realize like, oh, Ed just bought an electric car. That's because the technology is available and it, it, it's it's growing because a lot of labs do see the, the definite need for this kind of technology. Because one, again, you want to be able to free up your lab from the very mundane and routine things to, to focus on more perhaps critical science, critical experimentation. And the other two is for the most complex things, being able to grant freedom not only to your lab, but remember, if it can be put, done on one machine, you can copy the memory of that machine, place it onto another machine. Essentially, now two machines can do the exact same laboratory technique. So it really uh, allows a democratization of laboratory techniques. So, Greg, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me here. If you'd like to find out more about lab automation, you can get more information from our In Focus on the topic on our website at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening and goodbye.